This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm going to love the Jets, so when I, when I have the opportunity, I'm hitting free agency, and then I just feel like the stars kind of aligned. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, we are joined by longtime friend and rising draft analysis star Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report. We are going to talk any and everything 2019 NFL draft in the New York Jets, including their options in the first round, their options when it comes to staying put at number three, trading back, what help they could add in the middle rounds to further round out their roster. We're going to hit on every single topic that we possibly can in about a half hour. I want to remind you guys to subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes. It is also available on Spotify and Google Play. And that is basically it. Let's jump right into it. Jets sitting at number three overall. Uh, The two most common names debated are Josh Allen and Quinton Williams right now. Do you think that is the right two names to be focusing on if they do, in fact, stay put? Do you think there is no chance that Bosa is on the board at three? And what are your preliminary thoughts on how those two guys compare to each other? Yeah, it's interesting. I I do think those are the two names that it's easy to connect. I think Ed Oliver deserves to be in the conversation at three overall. I think he's that good. He's actually my second overall player just behind Bosa. I think him and Quentin Williams, who I have back-to-back at two and three, will grade out very, very closely for me. They're both just excellent, excellent uh, defensive linemen. And then when you look at Allen, it's, it's, I mean, I understand the connection. People assume that he's edge two for a lot of people right behind Bosa and that the Jets have such a pressing need there that it almost makes too much sense to not have him right in that spot. But I do think there's a really big grade difference between Quinn and Williams across the board in the NFL and Josh Allen. I, I think at some point you can't just reach for need. You have to take the better player if the better player is significantly better. So the Jets, I, I mean, I think this is something that we've even talked about, Joe. This ideal scenario is that they can trade out of this pick, not move very, very far back but recoup some of the assets lost in the Sam Darnold trade to get more picks and also still land an impact player in the first half of the first round. Now, if they don't, and the conversation does come down to what they do at three, I really do think it would be Quinton Williams. I just think he's too good, and you can't – And he, I mean, he's good at literally everything. He's a really good pass rusher. He's a great run defender. Uh, I mean, he's interviewed very, very well, not saying that – Josh Allen hasn't done these things, but when you talk about the star power that Quentin Williams has, I compared him to Fletcher Cox, and I think his ceiling can actually exceed the player that Fletcher Cox has become, and that's that's incredible. That is a absolutely phenomenal player, and I think the problem where it becomes so interesting for me is, and I, a lot of people would say it's a good problem to have, but for the Jets, it, it's kind of a tiresome problem at this point is, they paid Henry Anderson a lot of money to come back, and They have Leonard Williams on this roster. Are we going to find ourselves in a situation once again that they did a couple of years with Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, and Leonard Williams, especially if they do, they claim to be running a 3-4. We'll see. I have a feeling there'll be a little more multiple that they've led people on to believe. But at the end of the day, I just think Quinn and Williams is too talented to pass on if the Jets get stuck in this pick. This is. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah, I think I would feel a little better about him if the Jets didn't go so above and beyond in keeping Henry Anderson and not moving Leonard Williams for any type of potential day two pick. I Again, I worry about, because we've seen this three times before, a defensive mastermind finding a way to get the most reps out of multiple Defensive lineman in a 3-4 lineman going back to Rex Ryan and then Todd Bowles when it was Richardson and Wilkerson and, and then Leonard Williams initially and even going back further, all the different guys they've had rotating through. So I think it's just a matter of can they, with this coaching staff, find a way to absolutely maximize it? I do think if they stay put at three, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see which direction that they actually go because, look, I... I, I would get the negative fan sentiment if they're going to take another defensive lineman, and particularly if they're going to hang on to Leonard Williams and potentially pay Leonard Williams long-term. Now, looking at the edge, I know you were of the belief before this, before free agency, and I was of the belief, too, that the Jets might not just add one body to edge. They might try to add two <laughs> bodies at edge going into the NFL draft so they have more flexibility. They didn't add a single player at edge in free agency. Now, I understand what happened with Anthony Barr, and we could have a whole other separate conversation about targeting a guy who played inside linebacker the past five years in the NFL as your number one edge target is what it is. It didn't happen. But are you has genuinely shocked, if you take a step back as I am, that they did not add a single outside body to outside linebacker or edge this offseason? Yeah, I most definitely. Definitely am. It's been my biggest critique of this offseason because I love CJ mostly. He was one of my first draft crush players of all time when I first got into this and was writing at Turn on the Jets. I mean, somewhere in those archives, Joe, lives rankings where CJ Mosley is like my third overall ranked player or something. And Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder, those are great players. But when you look at this pass rush and to answer, I don't expect Nick Bosa to be their third overall. Everything I've heard is that the Niners do not trade that pick. That's who they are taking no matter what. It's as simple as is that they will sit there and take Nick Bosa the D4 contract that they just figured out is really a one-year 21 million dollar deal so that does nothing to affect that decision you go back to the Jets and free agency I thought they were going to come out swinging for this edge class I never expected a guy like Trey Flowers because he was always going to follow one of his former defensive coaches it was pretty well known that that's what that situation had come down to for him and he still got paid a lot of money but it's interesting when you don't see the Jets land a secondary kind of guy like a Preston Smith or, you know, maybe do call and explore the trade market. And maybe these are things they have already done that we aren't aware of. But like a guy like Jadavion Clowney, what's his price? Because last I heard, the Texans weren't really asking for the moon for him. And I knew all along the Chiefs were not asking for much for D Ford at all. So uh, when it comes down to it for me, it, the Jets, they have done a lot of good things this offseason. They've also put themselves in a position where they're entering a draft right now that they have to get a solution on the edge. And I don't even know if that will be enough because at the end of the day, a one rookie edge pass rusher, you still need somebody across from you. I know some fans will like Jordan Jenkins and Brandon Copeland. I mean, they're okay. They're kind of guys to me. I think Jordan Jenkins has had some bright spots at times, but we're talking about quarterback hunters here, not guys that set the edge or anything like that. We need guys like this is why I go back to if the Jets do trade out, 
is there a certain range they can only go back so far? Because I really like Brian Burns. I actually like him more right now as a pure pass rusher than Josh Allen. Would I take him at three? Probably not. But would I take him somewhere that they dump back, what, eight to 12 spots? 100%. But I don't think he's going to make it out of the top 15 picks in this draft. No way. So when you don't come out of this free agency class having one of those guys signed to get after the quarterback, it does create a little bit of a problem where they've hamstrung themselves a little bit. I'm very curious to see how they played in these next four weeks. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. We always, I always feel like outside of one or two years, we're always talking about the Jets trying to trade back, and it's something that is discussed a lot and rumored a lot, and it's something that's harder said than done. You need to find a willing team to move up. Who are the two or three most logical teams that would be looking to move into the Jets' third pick? You know, assuming that the Jets are going to want to move back somewhere between, let's say, five and ten, maybe five and twelve spots, try to recoup their second round pick that they lost for Sam Darnold. Is that team out there, and who are the like who are the teams that Jet fans should be keeping an eye on as we get closer to draft night and on draft night to potentially jump into that number three spot and allow the Jets to get that second round pick back? Because after you answer this, we could talk about their other need at center, and if they're kind of in the wrong spot to fill that need if they don't trade back or even if they do trade back. Yeah, to me, this could be broken down into really two ways. One, the most realistic trade partner in my eyes is Washington. I I look at what has happened to that team. Number one, losing Alex Smith in that fashion was an absolute nightmare. You feel bad for Alex Smith. You feel bad for the franchise. And then you look at the guaranteed money that that's going to cost them. Washington has to get really creative right now. And in my eyes, the creativity for that would be to have an impact rookie quarterback on that rookie wage scale contract, similarly to how the Jets are doing it right now with Sam Darnold. That's what Washington needs to do. They're picking 15th, Joe, and that comes back to my last point about range. How far can the Jets go back? But in terms of how realistic a partner is, Washington seems realistic to me in a sense that they're a team that's going to explore their options to come up. And I think Dwayne Haskins is very much on their radar. I think Kyler Murray is going number one in this draft. I do think Drew Locke will go in the top 10 to 15 picks. I don't really know if anybody will make an aggressive play to come up and get him, which really makes Haskins the wild card, and I could see the connection there with Washington. But to go from 15 to 3, they would have to surrender a lot, and the Jets would have to come away with the package that they feel can set them up for the next two drafts. Now, when you go against from realistic to most logical, it's the New York Giants. I mean, let's be real here. They're picking... Only three spots away, but not a huge climb. They need a quarterback. No matter what they tell the media, I think they have finally faced a reality that they need to find life after Eli Manning, and they need to do it soon. And if that guy is Dwayne Haskins, they'll probably want to sit him for a little bit on the bench behind Eli Manning. They're not just going to cut Eli Manning if they draft a first-round quarterback. And if you're the Giants, here's the thing I've been telling everyone. Yes, there is a chance Dwayne Haskins makes it to six. There's also the chance, a very high chance, that he doesn't. And that fan base will be very upset if a team leapfrogs them and he has a very successful rookie season. So I think all this talk about the Jets and Giants not doing business, which, let's be real, I don't expect them to do business. They should put that aside because I don't even think the Giants need to give up 6 and 17 to go up to 3. I think they can go 6 to 3 and give up their second round pick and the Jets should be more than happy with that high high second round pick to get another impact player, move back to 6. That wouldn't really change the player they're drafting at that spot anyway. 
I mean, if I was the Giants, and I'm sure you feel the same way too, trade your second round pick for Josh Rosen and help rectify some of the decision you made last yep. year. I know everyone. The cool thing to do now is to just give up on Rosen and say he's going to be trash in the NFL without any context around the situation of him. But some team is going to get a potential franchise quarterback at probably a pretty discounted value. Why the Giants wouldn't potentially take advantage of that when they already have two first-round picks is beyond me. But we'll we'll see how they execute things. A lot of things they've done with Dave Gettleman have been beyond me. So um, the center position. The Jets, as it stands now, would start Jonathan Harrison at center. Uh, I don't believe he's a starting center. I think he's good as your sixth or seventh offensive lineman. Uh, this is a talented class on the offensive line, particularly at the center position, and a guy like Bradbury is, like, seems to be soaring up everybody's draft boards. Jets aren't going to take him at three. Even if they trade back a few spots, it seems unlikely they would take him there. But without a second-round pick, is it fair to be concerned that the top three or maybe even four centers in this class are gone by the time the Jets make their first third-round pick? Yeah, I think that's right. I think when it comes down to it, when you look at the centers in this class, uh, you know, obviously Bradbury's going to be a first round pick. And then you kind of get into the Eric McCoy from Texas A&M and, and Elton Jenkins, another SEC center there. Uh, you know, they're going to probably be second round guys that I don't think the Jets will have the chance to take in the third round. And it, where it gets really tricky is like I, I've been saying this for a while, Joe, when I watch the centers, the guys that actually played center this year, until I found Bradbury, I was not really, you know, that juiced up over them, honestly. I thought McCoy was solid. I, I wasn't very impressed with Elton Jenkins. Uh, Connor McGovern from Penn State, he played right guard this year. He actually started out as a center. Same could be said for Dalton Reisner from Kansas State. He played right tackle this year. He started out as a center. Those guys were okay at center. I don't know if that's what they're going to play at the next level. Well, I really think McGovern should. I think Reisner does have a chance to stick at right tackle. We'll see about that. So, when it, but the point is, maybe McGovern makes it there in the third round. The other guys will not. It's as simple as that. And this is, once again, one of those times where you have to get creative again. Can they trade back and pick up a second-round pick and then hope Bradbury falls or take a guy like McCoy? That would be a really interesting strategy to me that does make a lot of sense and would improve this football team right away. And I will say this about the center position. As bad as it is or bad as it was, Todd Bowles not taking out Spencer Long when his hand clearly could not snap a football has made has magnified this worry amongst the fan base for how bad the center position can get for Sam Darnold. I do think Kaleche Osemele being there will help whoever is playing center, but they really should be active in this draft to go find an upgrade because having Harrison as a backup is a good thing. And I think they shouldn't try to maybe, you know, get overzealous with that and push him into a starting role and be one injury away from God knows who behind him. So once again, it, the Jets need more draft capital because they need a pass rusher, like we said, and they could really use an interior offensive lineman, like we said. But this center class, you can't really sit there and pray till the third round. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Looking at the cornerback position, another area of need and another potential spot the Jets could look if they trade back into the middle of the first round and acquire a second-round pick. How does this cornerback class look overall? The Jets under McCagden have really only taken day three swings at corner. We've seen this with Derek Jones, Jeremy Clark, Perry Nickerson, Justin Burris, uh, and haven't really found anybody that's stuck yet. As it stands now, you're basically looking at Tremaine Johnson, Daryl Roberts, and Brian Poole as your top three guys. Not an ideal situation based on what we've seen the past couple of years, or at least what we saw last year from Tremaine Johnson. 
if the Jets do trade back, let's say somewhere into the 11 to 16 range, could there be a cornerback that they look at? Is there going to be good value in round three with their two picks to look at at that position, which is another area along with edge rusher and center, you have to hope that they find a way to address even with only six total picks overall. Yeah, so I have two corners in the first round right now, and that would be Byron Murphy from Washington and Greedy Williams from LSU. I got to see both of them in person this year, and it made it pretty easy to know right away that they're that kind of player. I think Murphy is somebody who's so fluid and is going to be highly valued in this draft. He's probably going to go right between that really 23 to 30 kind of range, and I've heard the same for Greedy Williams. So I think the Jets would almost have to double trade back for those names to come into play. I don't see them taking one of those guys in from the 10 to 17 range or whatever it may be. So a double trade back option was where they come into play. Then this corner class falls off a cliff. I mean, DeAndre Baker from Georgia is okay. He's going in the middle second round. Trayvon Mullen from Clemson. Justin Lane from Michigan State, a former wide receiver. Everybody loves his traits and speed, but he still has to learn how to play the position. He'll probably go at the top of the second round. Rocky Sin from Temple, a very, very physical corner, is another guy that can probably go at the end of the second round. I've heard some late-round one talk for him, but I'm not really buying it. So once again, and then you get into the third-round guys, and this is where it would be interesting for the Jets because you have Julian Love from Notre Dame, Juwan Williams from Vanderbilt, who I actually think after his 40 time might fall even further. Sean Bunting from Central Michigan is a really interesting one to keep an eye on. He's loaded up with traits and the Jets value these long corners, so I, I, that's why I bring up him and Jawan Williams because they're very tall, long corners that, you know, I, I thought Bunting could run, Jawan Williams not so much, but I, I mean, they signed Tremaine Johnson's all that money. You, know, you never really know, but I think the point I'm getting at here, Joe, is that it's not a great corner class. I don't think there's a lot of gems outside of the top 50 picks. I think there'll be a run on corners, there'll be a reach on corners, and I actually would prefer the Jets stay away from those guys. I think it would almost be a waste. They did acquire a second-round pick. I think a lot of those guys are going to hit. I really don't. I think it's just not a good group. I think you've heard names like Rockison and and guys like that, and even Lane pushed up just because of the traits that they have, but they're not developed yet. So the Jets are an interesting spot because I don't hate the, the starting corners of Tremaine Johnson, Brian Poole, and Daryl Roberts, it definitely isn't an above-average group. Let's be real. It's a mediocre group. Get those guys to be okay if you had a pass rush up front. That's the biggest concern here. So I think when you look at, like, the Bears last year weren't a star-studded secondary really across the board. They have some really nice pieces like Eddie Jackson. But that pass rush makes a difference, and I think that's what the Jets really have to find to help those guys on the back end. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Looking for help for Sam Darnold. The Jets need more depth at receiver, tight end, and running back. I think those, you know, right now when you look at the top backups at all those positions, it's basically Bellamy and Burnett at receiver, it's McGuire and Cannon at running back, and it's Leggett and Tomlinson at tight end. And Herndon's probably looking at a suspension, obviously had a bit of an injury history in college. I think with Bell, it's his first it's going to be his first games back after a year off. So assuming he's going to walk in week one and have 25 to 35 touches every single week might be a bit naive. And then at receiver, you know, as much as both of us love Quincy Inouye, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy the past two years. Also Crowder coming off uh, an injury last year, although he has not been injury played prior to that throughout his career. 
Is Of those three positions, where is the best value for the Jets to focus on adding depth and adding more talent and quote-unquote weapons for Sam Darnold? Let's assume that they don't trade back. They're obviously not going to take one of those positions third overall. So looking at their two third-round picks and their fourth-round pick, at a tight end running back and receiver, where could they find the most value and find guys who can make an immediate impact for this offense? It's easily tight ends. This tight end class is loaded, and I think for a team that will look to use two tight end sets, I mean, you have to get Chris Herndon into the equation there. Obviously, he's going to be an impact player, hopefully, for this team for a long time, but they can still use the second tight end. Like, I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm not really looking forward to seeing Eric Tomlinson out there again next year. So when it comes down to it, I think there's a lot of guys that could play in line in this class that are going to be available in that third round range. I think Dawson Knox was a name I was interested in a while from Ole Miss, but after his testing times, he might find his way into the end of the second round. But if he's sitting there at the top of round three, he's a guy that you have to consider. Uh, There's a lot of different players, though, in this group. I mean, Drew Sample from Washington is another one that I thought was really good at the Senior Bowl, another player that I got to see at the Rose Bowl. So when it comes down to it, those are guys that can block, even Caden Smith from Stanford a little bit. And then you have your group of pass catchers. Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M is somebody that'll probably be there in the third round, a pass catching tight end if they want to go that route. If they trade back, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant might come into play, although a first round tight end would really, really shock me. But those are excellent first round players on, of coming at. It's weird to have two first round tight ends from the same team, but that's what, exactly what they are. So this list really goes on and on of, of, of just being a really good class, even in rounds you know five six and seven you have guys like josh oliver from san jose state so this is a really varied group and there will be a lot of impact players foster moreau from lsu another guy that can block and a pretty good athlete so that's why i look at this tight end class and i think that's the group you target and it would be a waste if the jets didn't take one from rounds three to five this year just because I do think there's going to – that's one of the rare positions in this draft where starting talent will be on the board come day three. Yeah, I don't understand the hesitancy from some Jet fans about adding depth at tight end. I think it's just as valuable potentially as a a number three or number four receiver with how frequently offenses have two tight ends out there. It gives you the ability to use Chris Herndon as a receiver, whatever other guy you draft also as a receiver. Tight ends are just weapons for Sam Darnold to throw to. We're going to line up in the slot. We're going to line up out wide take advantage of there being that much talent at that position. And again, with Herndon, he was great as a rookie. He's probably going to be suspended a game or two to start the year. And he did have injury issues coming out of college. So having depth there and not being one play away from throwing the ball to Eric Tomlinson or Jordan Leggett is not a bad thing. So I don't, there should not be hesitancy or anger about the Jets potentially using a draft pick on the tight end position. Um, A little bit away from the Jets, and we'll run through these pretty quick. You feel like Kyler Murray going number one. Is that basically a done deal at this point? Everything I've heard is that it is. I've heard it it was a done deal, really, when Cliff Kingsbury took that job. Now, some will say that's an exaggeration, but, I mean, I'm a guy with a pretty good correlation, and I feel like I talk to the right people, and I think Cliff Kingsbury took that job right away, and he knew he had the number one pick, and then Kyler Murray all of a sudden – you know, flips over to playing football. I find it very interesting. So if anything else happens, I would be absolutely shocked. If you had to guess today, where do you think Rosen ends up? Is there a particular two or three teams uh, that are, you know, sniffing around potentially getting him? And do we think it's only going to be maybe a second round pick to get him from Arizona? 
Yeah, I do. I think the reports are spot on. It would be uh, Washington, the Giants, and the most likely one to me is the Chargers, and I think they would do it for a second-round pick. Very interesting. I mean, I, I think that, again, it's a great fit. really a, a good <laughs> fit and a good value add to only give up a second-round pick and have that successor in place uh, for, for um, Rivers. Looking at the rest of the quarterback class, where do you rank guys like – Haskins and Locke and Jones compared to last year's class. How would they? St- how would you rank basically this year's top four quarterback prospects compared to last year's top four quarterback prospects? Where would they rank basically one through eight? Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, I definitely liked Rosen, Baker, and, and even Darnold, and things about obviously Darnold and Lamar Jackson probably a lot better than a lot of guys in this class. I think Kyler Murray is a way better thrower than Lamar Jackson was and possesses rare athleticism. I'm really high on Kyler Murray. I mean, he's a top 10 player in this class for me. He's my only quarterback with a first round grade. So I think he's, people will call me crazy, but I think Kyler Murray is right in the conversation with those top guys from last year. He's right in that pack of guys that can be transcendent, just excellent, excellent franchise quarterbacks for a very long time. And then there's the the drop-off. I think when you look at Haskins, he's an early second round player to me. I think I have him 26 on my board. So there's a bit of a drop-off there. And then Locke and Jones aren't in the – I mean, Locke to me is actually very comparable to where I had Josh Allen last year. I had Josh Allen, I think, 44th overall on my board. And I think Drew Locke will be something around the same where he's a mid-second-round guy purely off traits. I don't bet on those guys panning, but there's always a chance because they could be developed. It's just very unlikely, and playing quarterback kind of gives them a curve. Daniel Jones, to me, I, I haven't finished yet, but I mean, I'll tell you what, there's no shot he has a first or second round grade for me as far as I've gotten. A third round grade might even be rich. I just don't, I simply don't see it. He's not in the conversation as any of those guys from the 2018 class. And he's way further behind the top three guys in the 2019 class than anyone else wants to admit. All right, before we let you go, just a couple of quick general NFL questions. As the Jets roster sits right now, I think let's assume that they have a good, not great draft. Maybe they end up having to stay put at three. They take Allen or Williams in the middle rounds. They address some of the positions that we expect. Maybe they make one or two other minor additions before the season starts and deal with one or two injuries like most NFL teams do. What is what is your general temperature on what kind of roster this is is this a seven or eight win roster is it a 10 or 11 win roster where do they sort of fit in in that a redefined afc hierarchy now that cleveland's been so aggressive pittsburgh's probably taken a few steps back baltimore's had sort of an interesting offseason miami's tanking some there's been some reshuffling uh, on how teams have prioritized themselves this offseason yeah, I think it's an eight-win roster. I'm curious to see how they could play this draft. I really am. I would like to see them get aggressive about solving big needs, of course. But I think right now, number one, Joe, they have a weak schedule. It's not going to be an overly tough schedule. I don't think the AFC is really overly tough in the first place. I don't think the Jets are ready to challenge New England for the division. That's why you kind of sit right at eight wins. But, I mean, everybody you talk to, and it doesn't take much rocket science behind it to find out. It seems like Miami's tanking this year, and that should be – right there and now this will come back to bite me but that should be two wins those are two games that the Jets should win I think they're a better team than Buffalo because I think Sam Darnold will be a lot better than Josh Allen those should be two wins so when it comes down to it this this team should win eight games this year And the most important thing is that I keep telling people is it's because of Sam Darnold I think he's the real deal I think he actually will succeed with Adam Gase I think if anything Adam Gase could do that's call plays 
And I think the personnel here is actually pretty good with Le'Veon Bell. Robbie Anderson has simply gotten better year after year. Chris Herndon really showed a lot in his rookie season. And Kaleche Osemele, when healthy, is one of the best guards in football. So those things should get you to eight wins. The, the, most, the thing people are missing the most is that Sam Darnold's growth is the X factor in all of this. Absolutely. He is the most important player this team has had on the roster in a long time. Connor Rogers, thank you for thank you for joining us. Everyone, make sure to follow him on Twitter at Connor J Rogers. He's going to be cranking out a ton of content for Bleacher Report in the coming weeks. Connor, we'll talk to you post draft to give out some grades. Yeah, no doubt, man. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it.